0: Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch up on the European energy markets by my colleague Petra Puskarova, our European Energy Risk Manager. Well, uh, Petra, an awful lot's been going on, not just with power generation and uh, gas supplies, but also an in interconnection that enables markets to couple and operate together more flexibly. What's been going on there? What's, what's the big news on interconnection between the energy markets? In
0: Hi Jeremy, yes actually a few big news and very good news. I would first like to pick up on Norway who apart from being one of the major oil and gas producers is becoming the real hub for green generation as they are able to generate a lot of green energy from their hydro generation, especially from their water reservoirs. So currently, many interconnectors are under construction and few are being uh, also commissioned. We can mention the interconnector Nordlink that has just been commissioned between Germany and Norway. So there will be extra supply coming from Norway into Germany. This is very good news as we've been on few occasions mentioned that Germany will very soon go through a major phase out of their nuclear and coal generation. But apart from that, this extra supply will be also very helpful, especially during the times of shortfall when the green generation is not very strong. This is actually also a current situation. If we were to compare the green supply in Germany in comparison of Q121 comparing to Q1 last year, the power supply generation from renewables have dropped from over 75 terawatt hours to only around. 57 terawatt hours in Q1 this
1: year. Right, and so I guess this is part of a a trend that uh, in the longer term is going to be positive for consumers in that security of supply is enhanced through greater interconnection and and countries like Germany and indeed the UK, which are increasingly dependent on intermittent renewables, can, can take advantage of the flexibility where there's dispatchable renewables like hydro in Norway and so on in other parts of Europe so I guess it, what's the message for the way the market's going to go it's, it's going going to encourage uh, convergence in prices it's going to pull up prices of course in parts of Europe like Norway where hydroelectricity has been traditionally cheap isn't it?
0: Yes, it will definitely have negative impact for countries that are currently exporting as prices will be increasing. But this is going to be inevitable as still the underlying aim is for one single market in Europe, which will mainly avoid issues around shortages of power and underline the power security in Europe.
1: Well, indeed, and we tend to think of security supply in terms of balance of overall supply and demand, and that's important too, of course, but getting the power around to where it's needed, particularly as we become dependent on sources that may not be uh, physically located in in the same areas as they were traditionally or indeed relatively uh, far away from demand at all, such as uh, offshore wind. You do need a transmission system to get it to where the power needs to be consumed. And I think it's tempting to think that we're already there with the European market. We're not. It's a series of regional markets. Some are more integrated than others, but I guess from what you're saying, we're moving in the right direction so that, that has to be a good thing. Turning now to gas and what's been happening in the markets there, but it's a much more international picture, of course. Where are we with the sort of various LNG projects that affect availability of gas into Europe?
0: LNG projects have been growing in Europe steadily. There is an expectation that LNG demand will exceed the supply by 2027. If we are to pick one of the biggest, more close to Europe producing countries, so let's pick Russia. Russia is seeing this growing demand for LNG and they are actually trying to position themselves in the middle of other major global producers as Qatar, Australia and the US. There are a few big projects that are currently ongoing. We can pick a few projects that were being managed or completed by the biggest competitor of the state-owned Gazprom, which is Novatec. Uh, Novatec is the major stakeholder in the Yamal project, where the fourth train, liquefaction train, has just been launched and it will be adding another 1 million metric ton per annum of LNG which could potentially help this market player to underline their dominance especially in Asian market if we were to pick maybe one project that is uh, more new and only currently being completed then it's the project called Arctic LNG2 this is the project that should be launched in 2023 and it will consist of three liquefaction trains, which each of them will have around 6.6 million tons per annum capacity.
1: Well, that's interesting. And of course, uh, whatever environmentalists may think about dependence on gas, it's going to be a fact of life for Europe for some decades to come particularly as uh, coal is phased out and with a lower production from the Netherlands and other indigenous sources there's no option but to import and of course schemes don't come much more controversial than the nord stream 2 pipeline what's the latest there we're close to production and there are all sorts of conspiracy theories which some people listen to this may have come across some perhaps less credible than others about the politics of all of this I and mean, presumably it's in Russia's interest to get this scheme over the line and it's in Europe's interest to have their hands on the gas isn't it so I mean, presumably a a solution is on its way. But uh, do you think there's any credibility to the idea that Russia is turning the taps down on gas to put pressure on Europe, or is that uh, fanciful thinking?
0: It's interesting to look into this. Of course, the expectation was that Nord Stream 2 would be already operational. So the fact that we are looking at flows via Ukraine that are lower to what they were last year, some market participants do consider that being a political pressure. Some other market participants consider that being something that has been already forecasted several years ago, as the expectation was that Nord Stream 2 would be already in place, as there weren't as many expectations for pushbacks from the European unbundling rules or the sanctions that we were seeing that were imposed by United States, or one of the latest sort of pushbacks that we are seeing, especially from. From the Green Party in Germany who are threatening that they could potentially stop the project if they are successful in the election in September. Actually, as we were speaking before about LNG, LNG importance is growing, as we've mentioned, but also several market players and even some countries were calling to actually prioritize LNG as opposed to the pipeline gas. It is interesting that actually, again, some leaders in Germany and, for example, Italy, that is a power market that is very correlated to gas. We're actually also starting some green lobby against the LNG development. While you know, if we again speak about the energy security in Europe, it is a little bit counterproductive.
1: Indeed, and I think your explanation puts it really very well. Perhaps the conspiracy theories are more exciting to believe in, but sometimes there are are more mundane but equally important explanations. And turning now towards, um, you know, something you alluded to briefly beforehand, transmission security and the the issues about security supply uh, as we become more dependent on renewables. And Germany, of course, has got a particular issue, hasn't it? Uh, It's relied very heavily on coal and ignite, and that's what's helped accommodate a large amount of wind and solar there but the coal is on its way out so what's the outlook for Germany?
0: Well by the end of this year there's going to be around 23 gigawatts less of nuclear power and around 14 gigawatts less of lignite and hard coal so the nuclear phase out is happening quite quickly and the coal phase out is expected to be completed by the end of 2038 most probably even before we just discussed that there are also, of course, some good news, so there is a lot of interconnectors that are being built, so there will be extra supply coming into Germany that is actually turning from being a exporter of power into a importer of power, and one of those reasons is the major phase-out. The problem doesn't seem to be the actual, again, fact of getting the power into the country because, again, there will be interconnectors. The problem seems to be how to get the power across the country into household and for the major power consumers, of course. And that's when, again, we... Can talk about the energy security. Several market participants are already calling that even or despite the green generation growing steadily, there will be problems on the transmission system. The transmission system apparently will need to still have some support from the CCGT generation and maybe even ongoing nuclear generation to be able to remain safe and stable.
1: Well, quite, and that's hugely important for all of us, not just in the German market, but in uh, adjacent ones as well. And of course, Germany's situation is particularly unfortunate from an environmental perspective, because perhaps rather unwisely, not only is coal on its way out in the longer run, which is a good thing from the point of view of climate change, but is nuclear, you know, the one source of stable baseload zero carbon power and you know fortunately other countries in europe are pressing ahead with new nuclear capacity what's the situation look like for new nuclear projects
0: yes so some countries do have a slightly different view than for example germany and belgium who look like that they will be the first countries that will manage to completely phase out nuclear over the next few years let's take it from north finland in Finland, there is the well-known all-kilowatt power plant that was supposed to be completed over 10 years ago. Of course, due to various issues, there have been delays, but it looks like it's currently fueling already and it should be connected to the grid by February 22. To give a perspective, it will be capable of producing around 14% of Finland electricity, And again, just to maybe compare the approach or the feeling around nuclear in other countries. For example, Finland is stating that they believe that nuclear will not negate the need for more renewable in their country. So it's not going to be against their green agenda.
1: Indeed, and I think many in the UK and elsewhere would agree with that. It's not either or for nuclear and renewables. We'll, we'll have a tough enough time hitting our climate targets even if we maximise deployment of both. So I think that's, that's a really interesting overview of the markets there. One last comment. I mean, obviously, France is important in this too. There are nuclear schemes going ahead in, in France. Any final words about the French market?
0: In terms of the french market and french nuclear fleet so france still being very important exporter is currently not looking to a complete phase out of nuclear but they are closing the older reactors but they are also actively working on the development of the new ones Flamonville 3 should be commissioned in the middle of 2023 and while we speak about France we can also comment on EDF who is actually also actively working on Hinkley Point C in the UK which is currently also under construction and especially it's important is growing as for example Dungeness reactor has been turned off ahead of the schedule as following the latest maintenance completed on this reactor there were some faults that were beyond the repair so for example this uh, reactor has been decommissioned ahead of the original end date.
1: Well, I think that's an important and rather more positive note on which to end. We're going to need new capacity, if only to replace some of that that's due to retire, some of which might be retiring earlier than expected. But a combination of that plus renewables, plus the flexibility and security afforded by uh, interconnection should provide a sort of coherent means of keeping the lights on at a price we can afford whilst getting the emissions down, the so-called trilemma. So thank you, Petra. That's really useful and interesting as ever. Do have a look at our website website forward slash UK if you'd like to have a look at our reports and listen out for another podcast again from us soon.